0: I think it's the apocalypse uh, in Eric's Wild West. What's your, what's your apartment called? Your house? Uh, Western Wild. I almost got it correct. Wet and wild? <laughs> Wet and wild <laughs> after Western, Western Wild. Clearly
1: you've never gotten
0: Why don't we do ourselves a favor and just go ahead and start the podcast right now? Do it. Sounds like a good idea to me. I'm eating um, slightly overcooked cookies, guys, and I have a container of water beside me that's been full since last night, if that paints any context for you all.
1: Are there, are there bugs in your water, Zach?
2: Oh. They're
0: not because I'm inside of a home with windows and screens and things of that
1: sort. How are you guys this week? We're good. Good. I'm I'm great. I think the bugs have finally decided to migrate, if they migrate. So I'm able to finally podcast, hopefully with the full use of my mic, the full potential. Do bugs migrate, Micah? Fact no,
2: check. they don't live long enough to they migrate, don't. they just die.
1: They, they don't. They've gone somewhere because, no, I think to they're death. in the trees, but they're cautious because it's going to rain or something, the the day has been all overcast. So the they're not mating. Today's their day off. I, I think yeah, we
0: just please. need our, our fact team to check that. Zach,
3: I, yeah, nice I agree
1: with nice you. girl
0: on Twitter. Um, let me pull up. Let me think of they her username. She uh she was coming at us about the uh, the whole gene thing, the whole dominant recessive gene thing we were talking about last week, and you know. So luckily, we have our own team of fact checkers on Game of Thrones, <laughs> guys. Well, bees, bees migrate. Killer bees. Did you just Google that? Don't lie.
1: No, I mean I don't mean I don't mean they migrate, but everybody's saying the killer bees are coming, right? So I mean they're they're just looking for new territory. They're devouring. They're coming from South America. Now they're in like Central America, Latin America.
0: Okay, but what about um the West Nile virus coming back, everybody? So instead of winters coming, we could say something mm-hmm. like uh, mosquitoes. I don't know. I can't think of anything interesting. No,
2: I feel like the killer bees are coming should be like the high, gow- high, high garden slogan or something.
1: Killer bees are coming? Mm-hmm.
2: To pollinate our flowers. Do you think they
1: really are? I think, it's, I think that would be dangerous because they name their bastards flowers.
2: Exactly, so. right? So. <laughs> it would be perfect. So the oh, bees, wow, the they bees do. Would
1: be, The bastards would be the first exactly. ones to go. Exactly. <laughs> when the bees come back. Well, guys, I'm in a good mood because
0: uh, one of my favorite football teams just won today, uh, opening day of the NFL, which is uh, interesting because we're recording on, on said day. We planned on recording earlier in the week, but things were... Busy, everyone gets busy, but luckily we got to come together, all four of us today. Yay. And we actually, Micah, we have you again this week. And um, there was something that I, we put in the uh, episode description last week, and we said the fourth is strong with us. And I thought that that was interesting because that means all four of us together, but it also sounds like the force. So we Does. should go ahead and make a Star Wars podcast if you guys would like.
1: Let's do it. What would we call yeah. it?
0: Yeah. Um, I got nothing.
1: How about like the Padawans?
0: You could be a Padawan. How
1: about a Padawan? We'll just refer to ourselves as Padawan, like Brother Zach or pa- Padawan Zach. And...
2: Mm.
0: Well, the thing about Padawans is they have significantly less cooler hair than actual Jedi's.
1: Oh, uh, that's. That's true.
2: Would you guys say that the Wookiee is like the Hodor of Star Wars?
0: Yeah. Well, what about, okay, if Wookiee is the Hodor of Star Wars, how do you explain Endor? (laughs) (laughs) I try not to. There's a planet of Hodor's out there.
1: It keeps me up most nights, Zach.
0: Uh, It was Phyllis Ashley, To-T-Phil. I don't know how to say your Twitter username, but you have a very nice hat on in your Twitter picture, and she was uh, wanting to teach us about basic genetics, so we do appreciate the uh, Game of Thrones fact checkers. Both on email and on Twitter, and occasionally some of you in the forums,
1: apparently, there was a genetics post that I just or I just read about um a, a girl who wrote a six page paper on the genetics of the wizarding world and how the uh wizard trait can actually realistically get passed along to people and happen and occur in muggle born children as well as wizarding well
2: isn't that how you get muggle born children? Like, that are witches. <laughs> it would be. Well,
1: I mean, based on, like, how- It can't
0: be overcast if they're trying to
1: mate, though.
2: Like the bugs.
3: Mm. Exactly. Well, fact-checking isn't always necessary. I mean, if they were to, to fact-check what actually happens to people, if they fail to give us five-star reviews on our <laughs> podcast, I mean... Then you would be yeah. in
0: jail, I think. You would be yeah, in prison. Well- you would be in a state prison. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. Maybe a federal prison. Micah's house is uh reaching the end of its, of its uh, rehabilitation cycle, and I'm actually moving to... Uh, a place in the desert really soon here in a handful of days. That's where I was recording the last episode. So I got a house in Vegas. And so I'm, I'm trying to convince both Eric and Micah to come with me and we're going to start our own khalasar. <laughs> I was going to say, do you, do you have like this, this big horse statue outside of your house? No, but I'm thinking about getting the garden yeti off the of Sky Mall. That's what I'm really, really <laughs> considering. <it. laughs> you guys know what I'm talking about. Too. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't know if they have Sky Mall in Sweden, um, Selena, but the garden yeti is a fixture of Americans' culture. You must have seen we do not it, have Selena
2: Sky when you were on the plane. It wasn't on you the plane know, the Sky, with me.
1: Sky Mall magazine with the they have um, I think to this day, one of the best selling items is Lucius Malfoy's staff, which they still oh have. Wow. It's true, I think Jason Isaac said that at one point during an interview, but no, the Sky Mall magazine, they have this garden yeti, which is this stone like you do like a garden gnome, but it's this uh like four foot to five foot tall Yeti. Which actually sounds quite, you know, a little diminutive. They've, they've reduced it to not actually scare people, but I think that would be a great addition to. They, sh- the- they
0: should make a
3: garden hodor. <laughs> That would do oh, wow. well.
1: The thing about the no. yeti
0: is he's looking over his shoulder, like, "Hey, so like, very he's uncertain if he's being spotted." Is the look <laughs> um, we thought about starting out this week's game of owns with a little bit of, uh, you know, because what we've been doing lately on the show is uh, looking at the book and going chapter by chapter, five chapters at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, we're starting out with Tyrion this week, but what we we, we thought about starting out with some uh, some actual uh, analyzation of some game of owns fan fiction, but we decided to go ahead and skip that and move on and start with Tyrion. <laughs> and uh, it was funny because where we left last time, Selena was going on and on and on about how it was the the, the best chapter. It was like, oh, this is where everything happens, mm-hmm. right? I like this chapter better, Selena, because right at the beginning, we go back and we kind of feel that same thing, but we we feel it from Tyrion's perspective. Mm-hmm. I like Tyrion's perspective better than Catelyn's in this in this. I mean, I
2: definitely like Tyrion's perspective better than mostly anybody. So I I agree with you in that sense, but I think that. Like, I, I do still think that at the crossroads, I mean, it's called In at the Crossroads for a reason. I think because it was the crossroads of the series. But in this chapter, what was so cool was that we found out that both Catelyn and Tyrion didn't want that confrontation to happen. You know, when they sort of saw each other in the inn, it was an oh shit moment for both of them.
0: Yeah, it was a lot less, I don't know, like, if it's it kind of unfair how we left it off because we left it off, Tyrion kind of felt a little bit more like scheming like a little bit more slimy yeah. than he really is. And then when we hear it from his perspective the whole time, he's like, oh shit, cat, don't do this. Um oh, man.
1: Right. But he pointed and, her out though. She was trying to lay low.
0: I think he was just mad about the Winterfell thing. Yeah. Winterfell thing where he, like she wasn't there. And so he was just being proud, you know? Yeah. I, I really like though, because
3: it's the one time that I can remember uh, in, in these books that Tyrion actually gets outsmarted by cattle. the fact that, you know, he tries and, and, and this happens in the, the the previous chapter, but you know the, the fact that they're talking about where it is that they're going to be going so loud in that in that inn, and Tyrion thinks, oh well, you know, our, my family will soon be on its way to come and rescue me. And then you know the the hood gets pulled off of him while they're traveling, and he sees that that Catelyn actually got the best of yeah, it. Yeah, I like that. I was really, outsmarted too. Yeah, it's it's really one of the only times I remember Tyrion getting played, and he had to think to himself, hey, you know what, Lady Stark.
1: You got yeah,
2: me. even though she's a woman. <laughs> it was a great yeah. girl power woman.
0: He wasn't even that pissed about it.
1: Oh, come on. He, he, there's a quote here. It says, the, this seven times damned she-wolf, Catelyn Stark, had outsmarted him at every turn.
0: Yeah, but it, at the same time, he was like, well, it, she got me. <laughs> so, <laughs> so he's just like, all right, I think let's he go. was
1: impressed because clearly, I mean, he, there, there he was. He had that moment of, of glee, like you said, where his family was going to come for him. Then he was like, I don't know. He's the kind of guy who 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 cannot help but be uh, he'll admit when somebody like outsmarted him. So I think he he's amused that he was wrong. But at the same time, he's like, oh, shit. Now I need to come up with a plan to escape on my own.
0: Well, how swag was it when he was like, um, he was, like, well, if anybody were to Tell my father, I'm sure they would be rewarded. It's very reminiscent of Hagrid getting captured. Like when Fudge came and got Hagrid, he's like, bad business, Hagrid. If, if anyone exactly. wants to uh, find, find the stuff, spiders.
1: Right. <laughs> they do best uh, to uh, follow the spiders.
0: Yeah. Instead of the butterflies, yeah. in which this case, neither of the two were included. I loved how the chapter started out, though, and I, I thought about putting it as an own of the week, but to reflect the Star Wars conversation from uh, past earlier into the show, I like to say that when they, uh, when they, when they butcher Tyrion's horse, the mare that Jamie gave him for his birthday on some mid twenties birthday, which I thought Aww. was very nice of him, um, steam rose from the carcass. No. And I don't even know why I brought that up, but guys, don't you just think it's crazy how hot like bodies are, and then when you like, I guess when things are slain, the heat hits it, and it's just crazy to me how warm and how crazy it is. And I love how that's something that. Most writers I feel like would have left out, but Martin has got this just interesting mind and he was like, oh, I want to talk about I know. bodies and blood and this weird smoke. That and comes it's out something
2: it. he knows as well, which just makes you wonder.
0: Yeah. yeah. What does he do in his spare time? Well, let's, I mean, he looks like he could have ate a few horses in his life. <laughs> well, Micah, uh, you know, George personally, you guys ever go like stag hunting in the uh, New York Northwest, you know? Yeah. What do they call them? Aurochs? Like those yeah, big that's exactly what they, are they call buffaloes.
1: Are there any moose up there? Uh, no,
0: not not here. Hmm. Do you guys remember that one time in Wild America where Jonathan Taylor Thomas rode a moose's horns? I remember that.
1: No, I, I can't say I remember that movie at all.
0: That, that was a good movie. <laughs> Devin Sawa. Anyway, this chapter was good. I loved it. I love the fact that Tyrion and Catelyn sort of... It's like we've had chapters and chapters of all this uncertainty and a lot of what I'm sure is readers sort of stamping their feet or fists, whichever's approachable at that moment at the fact that it's probably not Tyrion and that she should just listen to him. So finally we get to have sort of a moment where they start throwing down conversation about this knife.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and to fact, the fact that they resent one another, that Catelyn is so convinced that his family, you know, attacked Bran, the fact that when they get on the road and they're on their way, Catelyn has to rely on him in a way um, because of what happens, that, that, that they're forced to, Confront their feelings about one another because let's face it. After a couple of days, Catelyn's own men are chatting Tyrion up, and they really like him, and that's 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 a that's a leadership problem for Catelyn um, because he's supposed to be the prisoner. Did
0: you guys see this attack coming at all?
1: It was mentioned. I mean, it was hinted at where they're just like, yeah, these passes are, are dangerous, mm-hmm. and the way the road to the area is is not is not easy. They were saying even if Tyrion's uh, Tywin's men knew where to look they would actually have trouble navigating their way to the Erie because of these mountain clans.
2: Yeah, I saw it coming because they don't—he they, wouldn't set up something about the mountain clans if we didn't, you know, encounter them.
3: I think that's probably easy to see coming. What I didn't necessarily see coming was them joining forces. And they really had no choice in that situation to
0: kind of ally with each other and and fight for their lives. I remember watching it in the show and it just felt like such a strong amount of I don't even want to say redemption because I felt like Tyrion has never done anything wrong to Catelyn. Right. Um I mean, he made he designed a brace for her paralyzed son to ride in a horse. Like we all know that Tyrion's a good guy and the show does a lot better job of painting that. But like in that moment in both the books and the show for me when Cat's looking over and there's that bit of um, suspense where she's about to get attacked by that guy. And then he comes in and owns the dude with his shield. Yeah. Like in that moment, I felt like, all right, just let the guy go. Like he just saved your life and you're still going to be an ass to him.
1: Well, this time, I mean, letting him go in the middle of the woods would have been a death sentence. So it's actually, maybe it was the kinder thing to do to actually take him to civilization. Yeah. At that point. But, but I mean, that scene reminds me of, uh, you just made the, the tauntaun reference to star Wars. This scene reminded me of uh beauty and the beast where bells out in the woods and all those wolves are coming on the prowl la, and she can't la, defend la, herself la. on her own the beast has to come oh so. oh yeah maybe i'm just crazy but well it's different cuz the beast has the sweetest house so it's easy <laughs> to like him well the eerie okay hang on is the oh, eerie yeah, the you're eerie right. is the amazing keep. so
2: cool can we agree with that yeah, it's so cool. Like, it's such a shame that we have Lisa in there who's such a bitch because the eerie is amazing.
1: Yeah, I don't think that's fair to call Lisa a, a, you know, what you said to her. Yet we don't, she's definitely a bitch. We do not she have is. that. That is not in the canon at this point in the in the in the series. She's crazy a little bit. And that's true. A heck of a mother, but I don't think she's. What? She's one heck of
0: a mother. (laughs) She's a heck of a mother. God, she's. She'd give her right tit for anything. She's a motherly person. She mothers. But
3: there is that moment going back where Tyrion even says to Catelyn, you know, I wouldn't hire a common footpad, you know, or arm him with, with my own blade. I mean, do you take me for an idiot? And clearly she knows Tyrion is no idiot. So. There, there is that moment of doubt that you were talking about, uh, Zach, where she – I think in her own mind she's, she has to start to question, did I did I capture the right
0: person? Yeah, but I feel like she's gone too far and internally she knows that. So she, she needs – at least needs to see the thing out just to protect her own ass.
1: I think so too. Yep. And it's a Lannister. Like what were the chances of her happening on a Lannister? Um, you know, very nil and I, I'm sure she would prefer it to be Jamie, but she probably couldn't have taken him at the crossroads. Um, by the
0: grace of the seven.
3: And that, one other thing I liked from this chapter was Tyrion taking names, how he just was going one by one through all the people who were on this journey with him, thinking about, you know, how he was going to relay this information to his father somewhere
0: down the line. And these people basically were going to be up Shit's Creek without a paddle. Yeah. And it's a very ominous thing to do because you're in a position of not having much power, but he's using his mind. To be like, all right, guys, let me get your names really quick. And he's putting just enough uncertainty in their heads where they're going to do things like become pals with him rather than give him shit, you know? Exactly. And then After the battle, they let him ride armed. Am I right here? Like, yeah. Which is awesome. And it sort of says a lot.
1: By the time he reaches, by the time they reach, um, you know, the blood gates, uh, he's he's fully, you know, armed and everything. He's he's enjoying. Well, by then, there were only eight of them, too. There were 30, I think, that set up from the inn. Uh, now there are only eight. So that, that, that's tough. Um, they've been through an ordeal just to get to this place, but, you know, I wondered if it's not, if that was intentional from, from Tyrion to be like, I need to get control of this situation. Or is it just because he is that guy who will sit back, he'll listen, he'll learn these people's names and he'll, you know, he'll, he'll be funny in his own little way. Like, is he, is something about him just that likable or is he saying strategically, okay, I need to get on top of this situation. Or I'm gonna be butchered because by the I, it doesn't really do him any good. Like by the time he gets there, he's retreated like a prisoner again, right? But I'm just wondering if that's more of just that his character because he's so likable even to us the reader.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that he has that. You know, that's why Braun sort of starts flocking to him. And by the way, this chapter, we see the beginning of the Tyrion-Bron bromance, which is one of our favorites. So many great Bron- bromance. <laughs> yeah, the Bronnmans. <laughs> There's so many great bromances in this, in this series. It's amazing.
0: Martin has had some cool friendships in his life. You can tell because mm-hmm. the, the, the sort of passion and like total camaraderie that these people feel is from the perspective of someone who's seen it before, I think. I would agree with that. No, it's, uh, it's really great that we finally get to see Bron. And like I said, this whole the whole battle thing sort of tipped this chapter um, for me in a weird angle. It felt a lot like the attack um, on Aragorn, if you guys know what I'm talking about, in Lord of the Rings. That whole deal with the mm-hmm. orcs riding their wargs, or what, what were they called, Selena? I'm pretty I sure they're wargs. Remember. Anyway, they were. It, it reminded yeah. me a lot of that. Like so just hanging out, all of a sudden you get attacked, and that attack changes the line of the story. Some, except it was a lot less drastic in this in this perspective. But um. Tyrion and Catelyn eventually start to finish their conversation, and we learn that Baelish made a tiny flaw. When I say tiny, I I'm probably tiny, but I think it's something that was (laughs) a flaw enough for Catelyn to be like, well, he's probably telling the truth, and that was... He actually didn't bet against Jamie to win the knife because he never bets against Jamie. He always bets on his brother. And I think that that was something that was fairly obvious to Catelyn that she probably feels stupid for not assuming on her own.
2: I felt stupid too. Like this is one of the things where you just know how how what's much of a genius Ma- Martin is because we should have seen this coming. Like you know what you already know about the Lannisters at that point when Peter was telling the story about how Tyrion bet on um, the Night of the flowers that we should have known but we didn't
1: I know isn't that yeah, that he bet against his brother you're right mm-hmm. Um, but I mean my question is wasn't it it's still isn't it one of, didn't the knife end up in the possession of one of the lannisters though
2: yeah I mean he it was Tyrion's knife but then he lost it because
0: so Tyrion lost the knife right
2: no he won uh, the well, knife no 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 wait not- yeah, he he Bayless bet on on uh, Jamie. Tyrion, in Baelish's story, he bet on Jaime, Tyrion bet on the Knight of the Flowers, and the Knight of the Flowers won, and that's how Tyrion won Baelish's knife.
0: So so what actually happened was, it was Baelish's knife, they made a bet for probably gold crowns or something. Baelish bet on Loras Tyrell, because he probably secretly wants to hire him for his brothel services. Uh, And Tyrion bet on his brother, because his brother is very attractive and very skilled. And whoever won, won. And whoever paid out money, paid out mm-hmm. money. It's probably what happened, right?
2: Right.
1: But that, I think that leaves Baelish with keeping the knife.
2: Exactly.
1: So Baelish just wasn't telling the right story at all about how it left his possession.
3: So Yeah, and, th- and that goes to my, my own of the week. I might as well get <laughs> oh. it out of the way now. It's directly <laughs> related to what we're talking then. about. <laughs> when when uh, Catelyn says, why would Peter lie to me? He says, "Why does a bear shit in the woods? <laughs> because it's his nature. Lying comes as easily too. as breathing to a man like Littlefinger. So true. You ought to know that, you of all people."
1: Yeah. I find it interesting that he has to lecture her on Peter, but I guess it's because she's been away from him for several years. Well, just there.
0: in general, Kat seems to be naive to a lot of things. Not totally; she's a strong, uh, she's a strong lead in the story, but she's naive to so much shit. Like um, it's happening within the same pages that she's wrongly accusing Tyrion. So I feel like we're getting a big lump of negative be thrown onto this, and it kind of extends all the way until whatever happens at the eerie happens whoever leaves the eerie you know what i'm saying like we kind of feel that i felt that feeling toward cat from the moment at the crossroads until really it keeps going with the whole jamie stuff at the camp with rob it just kind of keeps going my disdain really
2: it's been from the beginning because we like i we like her but at the same time the way she treated john oh yeah it is really hard to like her
0: yeah that's so true
3: it's a much different character in the in the series but I think Zach, you brought up a great question, which is, well, if it's not Tyrion's dagger
0: and it's Peter's dagger, what's going on here? So, listeners, gather your own conclusions, jump to them, and report back in. Dun dun dun. Um,
3: so it's like it's like it's like another game of Clue. It's,
0: it was Arya. In the throne room, <laughs> with a broken with shield, a with a cat, with a cat, yeah. And,
3: <laughs> and without giving without giving anything away, I think you do get resolution to this in Storm of Swords, right, Selena?
1: Yeah. Is that two books away? No, that's the next book. Okay.
3: That's the next that's book, the but I think one. the way that they're they're dividing oh, no, it, it the up, probably one. you don't get resolution until season four. Probably in the yeah, the show.
2: and by then resolved. no one will care. It would
1: have been re- either it was a resolved on the show, or I just assumed it was Jamie, you know, having to leave Winterfell, but you know, still making sure that the boy wouldn't wake up. I, I just figured it was a mm-hmm. last ditch effort for the Lannister twins to, you know, pay somebody off. Like I don't think it necessarily matters whose dagger it was. I just assumed it was them who sick sicked that fate on on Bran.
2: I don't think Ooh. it was Jamie.
0: I think that Jon Snow's mom gave the dagger to them. That's what happened. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, Arya's catching cats because apparently that's how you become a good swords person. You (laughs) go around the castle, stalk around the musty, dusty corners, and find an old tomcat. And when you catch it, you can name it Marguerite or Marjorie, depending on whichever one of our fact checkers on the emails or Twitter told us.
1: Did anybody feel bad for the cats? No? Maybe? Uh, have you ever seen
0: Milo and Otis? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I don't think that the cats in this book are very war- much worse off than that 1980s. What's, what's film. the song from that movie? Do they have a song? I thought it was just the guy in the fox. That was it. Oh, um, maybe I'm okay. thinking of a different movie. Are you thinking about like Homer Bound? Am anyway, I sorry? Moving on. I don't know.
1: <laughs> I, I, love this, I love this chapter how it how it starts because Arya has actually caught all of the cats in King's Landing, or most of them, with the exception of this one mean cat that just keeps eluding her. And so it, it's it's funny because you're reading about, you can see that there's there's some kind of value that Cereal Pharrell is, is not just giving her tasks to do to, to fill her time. Like this is actually making her better, just like blindfolding her, just like having her stand on one leg. This is cool. The idea that you can train somebody or that with enough practice, you could actually sneak up on a cat. Um, yeah. You know, super cool. So- I like that she was doing that and that there was this one mean cat that kept getting away. You know, to see a child so fixated on something as silly as uh, catching that a cat. That
3: pissed off Tywin Lannister at one point, too. Yeah. There was that
0: joke in there, right? Didn't the cat, like, jump on his head or something? <laughs> During
3: a
1: feast. Yeah.
0: Was it just me or did you guys think while reading that this cat could most likely be, if you follow context clues, the... um? The Animagus of Brienne of Tarth. That's what I was wondering.
2: Yes! Hmm. I would love that to be true. I doubt that it is, because it is male, but it's a good theory.
0: (laughs) Maybe
1: it's not male. Maybe it just looks like a male. Think about it.
2: (laughs) Yeah, that was like those old theories
1: that um, Crookshanks was like Lily in (laughs) disguise or something because of the ginger.
0: Yeah, but But let's be fair here. Most likely the those sort of broad characters like crookshanks or like this cat were were written with so much attention to them that just in case they ever wanted to make them someone else they always could have
1: i think that i think that's true you <laughs> know like a fail
0: safe i know that um i
3: mean i'm just going to mention this cuz i feel like there's only so many opportunities to touch on this stuff and the fact that they reference her as being blind so many times yes, in this I chapter when she's chasing the cats And I know Selena is probably the only one who knows what I'm referring to, but just the fact that he included that kind of alliteration this early on in the story, I thought, you know, it just shows that he has this kind of master plan and I won't elaborate on it anymore. I'll just say that, you know, because I feel like there's so much stuff that is in these chapters that we don't necessarily touch on because it may spoil things later. I don't think that necessarily spoils anything.
2: One thing I did notice about all like all her explorations was how she kept coming back to those words. Like when you said, Micah, when everything went went dark and she had to rely on all her other senses because a water dancer doesn't just see with her eyes and when she was sort of reciting those things to her. Yeah. That was really I that was a really sort of interesting because she'll like Arya, the character, will use that throughout the entire rest of the series. It's also interesting how in this um in in this chapter it's the first time that we see her, uh, being called a boy or being mistaken for a boy, which was a nice bit of foreshadowing as well. Foreshadowing, the,
1: um, not it by the guards, um, of Tommen and uh Myr- It was Tommen
2: and Merella, yeah.
1: Yep, yep. I thought it
0: was really neat when she actually started to get a little bit of a uh, uh, that explore on, and I loved it in the show, and I um, probably, I mean, I liked it in the books more because it was it was more uh grand and the way it was inside of my mind because my mind is not constrained by budgets what if what if your daydreams what if your daydreams had a budget (laughs) and you were just like man i really want to give i really want to think about mario and rainbow road but i can't afford the castle in the background or the lift to get up there it's
1: gonna be rainbow path yeah so it's just a path it's just
0: a footpath. no um Arya in the in the dragon room was awesome because you know she was walking into the mouths essentially, or or she could have walked into the mouths of these beasts that, um, with a relaxed jaw, could have eaten her as a as a person, or even we could. What was it? The line about the horses being able to ride right through it or something. No, uh, it's cool. It's nice to get a little bit of a. I know we do a lot of com- comparison from the show to the books, which is obviously a mechanic of the show of this show, but. Um, The first season was so true to form with these books um, and a lot of the scenes and especially this one I thought was really interesting because I thought that she really captured a lot of the fear that Arya actually had in the book. Because, I mean, if you could imagine yourself being lost in a place like this, having just moved to King's Landing and now you find yourself in the scary castle of King's Landing, I would just be terrified.
1: Yeah. And she's having to make out what these two figures are talking about. You know, very, I guess, early on, she figures out that they're talking about her father and possibly a plot to exterminate him. But it's it's all in these codes and the, see these, a
3: bug. these myths. Roach Ned. Yeah. <laughs> roach,
1: roach, Gotta squash. You ever see Joe's apartment? Ned is the uh, lead. lead.
0: <laughs> I would have not been scared of the castle any longer if I saw a little, or if I saw Varys hanging out there. It's like, if this guy can hang out in here, it's probably pretty safe. Like, if he's not scared, I'll be fine. Well, he is the spider. Yeah, but look at anyway, him. If- well, he clearly has
3: the ability to change his appearance. Now, how he's doing that is probably uh, is the better question.
1: I didn't read into that at all. I didn't read that as being any kind of magical ability. I think, didn't he just not shower? When he when he approached Ned at the, uh, in the <laughs> that's tower, he, he put on a different cloak than he's used to wear. He was working
3: out, remember? We oh, yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Mm.
1: So that was it. I, I didn't think he was using magic to disguise himself the way other characters. Might. But well, is but
3: th- This other person refers to him as a sorcerer.
1: That's it. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because I don't know who they're talking about. And fortunately, like this wiki um, that we sometimes reference for chapter summaries. Um, has a, a like a full list, like in the description, which is way too long to read. It says like each of the characters they're talking about, as you know, who's positioned here, who's doing what. But when I'm reading it in the book, I couldn't wrap my brain around it. I, I, I still read it, I made it through, but I didn't expect to understand who he was actually talking about. And, you know, like, well, who he's talking to.
2: Can we talk about who, um, he's talking to? Yeah. Because yeah. I was, I was reading the, um, the description of him, and we get these kind of these hints as to who it is, and he's sort of grossly fat, and he's from the Free Cities, he's got this round face, and I was thinking, is it possible that it's Illyrio, the one who uh, Daenerys was staying with?
0: That would make sense. It is possible. But the That's Wiki the only one I could that think that of, it. and it was confirmed by Uncle Ray.
2: Oh, okay, there you go oh. then.
1: <laughs> so, how did Illyrio? Get the, all the way there from the free cities in such short time. I guess some time has passed.
0: That's why he's in such bad shape, though. <laughs> no, seriously, that's why he's so he's so ruffled because he just made this travel for quickness. And you know, they probably like threw him in the barrel, a barrel, at the bottom of a ship. And they just rode a all big, the way. A the big Elven barrel. King tossed yeah. him into a barrel, and that's how they got out of there. Or he, he got- flew on one of <laughs> Varys' magical birds. Uh, Varus is a sorcerer, guys. That's all I have to say. I know that that's a weird thing, and he's probably not an actual, like, black magician or, like, serious spellcaster. But it's pretty clear. It's almost as obvious as, like, the Jon Snow stuff and his lineage. Like, they reference Varys' skills and these different opinions of him that everyone has. It's just, like, very obvious to me that there's something more to this character. And it's it's it probably goes beyond good gossip.
1: I don't know. I feel like it's when, you know how, like, they say people who are blind um and even in this chapter with Arya blindfolded or having been blindfolded you know you gain a better sense you get your other senses make up for it so you can hear better you can feel better um and perceive i feel like without varus's balls let's just say that okay he's been able to focus on other things he's never been led astray he, he can devote himself to things like manipulating people god that is um, such a good
0: point eric that is such a good he, point
1: Is it sound? No, it is. I'm just saying, here's a man who's devoted his life, who's never been dragged away by lust, you know? So he's been able to devote himself to whatever he is. I just think, you know, by calling him a sorcerer, it's it's still a great compliment. But again, I I feel like he's just extremely skilled at gossip, extremely skilled at manipulating people, like they say Peter Baelish is. You know, he's devoted his life to building this network of little birds, you know, whatever he calls them for his own little, you know... Excitement or whatever, but you know, I think really what it is is here's a man who's just been disciplined his whole life. The way if nothing else though with swords
3: If nothing else though, this should really be the, the one event that lets people know how big of a player Varys is in this game. I mean, I it, it's his game essentially. The way I'm looking at it right now, I mean, even they're talking about Balish. You know, I know like on uh, one episode, you know, we were talking about that scene between Varys and Baelish is when they're in the throne room kind of like going back and forth with each other joking around but it's clear Varys has a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes and and you just see how much of a player he is in this conversation that he's having with you know Illyrio he's setting all this
0: into motion so what we can pretty much and that was a good point Eric so what we can pretty much conclude is this Varys this is, a, this is sort of a commentary. I don't want to even call it a, Maybe it's even a narrative that Martin is putting out with his character. And he's saying, hey, this is a guy that has had zero distractions in his adolescence, in his young adulthood, and now going into his adulthood. No women have like he hasn't been focused on you know making relationships finding a mate you know hooking up with someone on the weekend stuff like that he's he's got money he's got power and uh he's had like exactly what eric was saying he's had all of this time to discipline himself and devote his time to Furthering his initiative and his goals and his desires, which are power and which are to disrupt things and which is what he's done. He's like Stannis except without the hair and testicles. Right. Well, look look what happened to Stannis with Melisandre. That's a great point that George is making. It's like, well, she took her clothes off and she wanted to make a shadow baby. Stannis didn't want to say no because he was kind of bored. Like, like it gets boring in the map room. It's, but but when Varys went and visited Roz, Roz went for the grab. She went right down to investigate his crime scene, and he was like, um, nope. Crime. Like, he had nothing to... He was just like, listen, let's talk about business. You can do that when I leave. But it's so true. It's because that's, that's one of his powers. Maybe that's what makes him... It's not actual magic, but it's sort of... it's. Magic over what other people have. It's sort yeah. of it's like what people with less intelligence would call magic if they see something they don't understand. It's like Varys is on another level because he hasn't been distracted and because he's been focusing on other shit. And so focusing on other shit for so long has sharpened him on all of these other things. So maybe to someone stupid like us that don't really understand what's happening yet, we would call it magic, but maybe it's just focus and drive.
1: I mean, I think we're dealing with people later on who can actually use magic, like um, it's the guy that Arya befriends, the assassin. But, you know, in terms of uh, Varus, I think he's a muggle. Um, you know, but just very adept, very sharp, like you were saying, at what, at what he's doing.
3: All right. Well, well, let's go from a guy who has no testicles to a guy who has no brains. In Ooh in ned because his daughter is essentially telling him all these things there's so many key points that she brings up that there's no way that she could possibly anyway have made this up in her imagination and ned just kind of passes it off as you know oh is making up stories ned man come on brother you're, you're gonna come get on, your brother. head chopped come off on, for this brother.
0: come on brother
3: i'm looking out for his best interest here yeah look and this is not this yeah, what does
1: ned expect right that, that, that these two hooded shadowed figures are going to meet in the basement of the, the keep and talk about this stuff and have it not mean something. Like, somebody would would go through the pains of, of having this conversation that Arya went through the pains of not getting discovered overhearing. You know, it, it's you do have to trust your own kin. You know, if, if it were Catelyn who had heard that like Arya came to Catelyn, and said this, I bet more would have happened. Or we know that if they went to Liza with this, she would have sent letters all around. Damn it, Ned. This may be the nail in his own coffin, or the sword, the broadsword in his own neck, at this point. It really is. She hears
3: about the book. She overhears about the bastard. So, I mean, those two things would have been enough for me to say, okay, clearly there's a plot here. I I don't know exactly what it is, but... It's probably it might be a good idea to start heading back to Winterfell right about now.
0: And these are references to things that Ned no know, knows about and that he's doing his own research with. That's Exactly. True. So yeah. it's like, and what I- the hell, Ned? The fact
1: the fact that anybody is talking about how somebody checked out a book, you know, or the hand checked out a book, that should raise a flag right then and there. The fact that his own daughter is is saying this. And I don't know why it doesn't. It's like him being slow on the uptake for that finding the direwolves in the woods being you know, a symbol. Uh, He was slow on the uptake, you know, a chapter later he was like, oh yeah, I guess that kind of meant something. Well, you know, here, he might be too late on this, on this front.
0: Maybe Ned's just so slow on the uptake that he learns all these things and he doesn't want to scare Arya with his, like with, with him being like, okay, cool. That's totally true. Don't be scared. Maybe he's just lying to her and he's just being slow on acting on things because he knows that he really can't do anything
1: He can't show fear in front of his daughter so you think he was like st- stealing her you know th- making a a brave i think face.
0: That, there was a lot to do with that i think that was a lot to do with it but on top of that i think that everything that she said he knew and he knows and that's just why he's able to be so open to the conclusion that he draws later about the lineage like i think it's all it's it's all addition within himself to accept what the hell's happening against like with the lannisters against robert which is why he believes that, but not this. Does that make any sense? Mm-hmm. It's, it's all just helping him. It's like, he's not going to go out and start swinging his sword. But when shit, when it, when time comes, he will fight Jamie outside, you know?
1: Yeah. I just think it's a shame because what he is ignoring is perhaps how widespread this issue may be. Or like how much danger he's in.
0: You're mad because what you would have done is you would have went right to the king and been like, let's figure this shit out before we both die. Right. And he didn't. He was trying to be political, and he's bad at being political, obviously.
1: Well, not only
3: that, then Yoren shows up with a bit of news about his wife uh, capturing Tyrion. So
0: it's, his situation just went from bad to worse. Yeah, I mean, when oh. you're getting distracted with something like that, <laughs> when your wife's off doing stuff, it's like, ah, oh, your,
1: your wife cat. just captured the, <laughs> the most powerful family, if I can say that, in all of Westeros. Wardens of the East and West, or, yeah. There there they just your wife just went and captured some guy.
3: And not only that, but that was part of the conversation that the two cloaked individuals in in the, the dragon head room were, were talking about. They already
0: knew. How did they know? Yeah, I give the up. Dog knows.
1: The dog. The
2: dog. The dog is here. <laughs>
0: no, uh, Eric's Man. neighborhood is is undergoing some sort of warfare situation. I hope you're safe, here. I
1: tell you this is this is how. I mean, my mic is picking up stuff that my regular ears don't hear.
0: It, you know how they they have that
3: that map of Westeros in the uh, in the book. I, I would I would be interested to see Varys' spider web and how far it extends. Like, who are his informants all over the place? Because clearly, he has a lot of people who are who are reporting into him so that he knows all this information.
0: Game of Own's possible viral content. If any of you guys are listening, make a map. Photoshop a really, really sexy map of spiderwebs coming from the Red Keep, coming from King's Landing, and spreading across the entire bit of the Seven Kingdoms, Westeros, everything, and that would go viral.
1: There has to be a list of like confirmed Varus associates and their location, like when he finds out, like when we learn information that he knows where it came from. But this just reminds me of Google's April Fools joke this year. Remember that when they made everything middle earthy?
0: I I think Mike has a Bing kind of guy. Use Bing.com, Micah. Yep. Bing. Yeah, Yeah, I thought so. (laughs) Bing. Bing.
2: (laughs) Stop.
3: (laughs) All right, let's move on to – I
2: was just going to say, last episode we sort of touched on the fact – and this is a really random point. I just like pointing this out – that Renly was all excited to show Ned the picture of his sister, or of um, Loris's sister Marjorie, because he thought she looked like Liana. Well, in this chapter, we find out that it's not because he wants to marry him herself, himself, her himself. It's because he wants Robert to marry Marjorie, and he is like conspiring apparently with Loras to put um, Cersei out of power. Wow. which I thought was interesting that and is- very, um, very high-reaching of him.
0: That's really smart of Renly. Wow.
2: Yeah. If she looks like Liana, that's his in. You know.
0: Yeah. He's like, hey, Ned. One sec. Does this look like? <laughs> Does this look like Liana? He's like, I got this whole plan. Don't worry about it. No, it, she's not for me. I'm good. I like her brother though. It's so smart because it's like his interests are going to be taken care of. It's like his the the brother will be some some exactly. kind of royalty, and he gets to hang out. And you know, Robert gets a better looking gal who's younger and he likes more. And also, see if she goes away. Oh. Speaking of Robert, he uh, he has a little issue with Ned in this next chapter. Their their bromance
3: kind of fizzles out a little bit. So, uh, you know, Ned Ned's just the fatherly type. I mean, he doesn't like the idea of, of killing Daenerys, who's still
2: 13, yeah. 14
3: years old. Mm-hmm. And he's really adamant about it. And, you know, I, I wonder, obviously that comes from Ned having you know, two daughters of his own. But why Robert has children, not by Cersei, but he's got <laughs> children all over the place. Why, why wouldn't he, why wouldn't he understand that a little bit well, more?
1: He's, he's never had to raise any of those children. That's what you're saying. I mean, you know, right. essentially he's never had to raise them. There's two, there's two, Ned's feeling on this comes from two different directions. One is his father direction where, you know, he feels because he has children, you know, that it's not right to kill a child. Um, even for something that may or may not, you know, happen, that's, that's not 100% certain. And the second part of where it's coming from is honor, because it's dishonorable to send, you know, these men in the night to go and slay this young, this young girl. So, you know, both of those issues get brought up. And unfortunately, nobody in this chamber, well, especially Robert, I, I feel like he does have some, some great points that he makes, but, you know, Robert is adamant about killing Daenerys.
3: Yeah, and again though this all feeds into Varys' plan when he's having this conversation in, in the previous chapter he's trying to get Robert to go after uh, Daenerys and to start this whole war and to put this whole thing into motion for whatever reasons we don't know necessarily right now. But it's clear though that that he has this specific agenda that he's trying to get pushed across and you know, it, it, he doesn't care who it affects or who gets hurt at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, it's interesting yeah, the conversations they're having, too. obviously, as leaders. They're talking about, you know, how much of an army would die if they ever did go to war with an army of, you know, Targaryens or, or the, the Cal. Um, you know, and so they're talking about their their thing is even, even if one Westerosian dies, it's 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 like too much because this is something they can fix now before it becomes a problem. I think that's Robert's point anyway.
2: I think that Robert's point as well is that he's sort of living in the shadow of, of the Targaryens, you know, his entire reign. The Targaryens have been on the throne for forever, it seems, and now Robert has been sort of picking up the pieces of the kingdom ever since I mean, the the battle with the Targaryens didn't end when Rhaegar died, you know? The I mean he's he's been fighting with the Targaryens Ever since getting on the throne, too, just with their legacy, and you know, you've got the dragons and the dungeon. So I think that's why he's sort of so scared of any possible Targaryen threat.
0: Do you think that some of his disdain toward the Targaryens is political, and not just the fact that they killed like a lot of people that he liked?
1: Well, let's let's try and set aside the fact that that Robert tries to, or happens to be living in this complete denial of any threat from the Lannisters. Um, you know, which, which we see, I, I see the Lannisters as being a greater threat to his kingship, uh, much, I guess that's obvious to say, um, you know, than the Targaryens. But yeah, I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to Robert realizes that his own rule is weak. Um, you know, that's why why he brought
3: Ned in though. And then he doesn't want to listen to him.
1: Right. So that's, this is a character flaw for, for Robert, um. That we're very clearly seeing in this chapter,
3: and and we know for a fact that Varys served the Targaryens at some point, and now he's here again serving Robert. And so you know it, he basically is 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 so willing to do what the council tells him to do. It, it, it's just he, he's just giving up that power. He he just has no ability to control his own. He you
0: know he's he just not understand? what what is he doing. He's sleeping. He's sleeping with women. Bing. He's, Mm. he's being, he's being lustful. (laughs) He's banging all over the place. Yeah. And that's what he's doing though. (laughs) And I think that's a great, that's part of the narrative that, that um, Martin's throwing into this book. Like look at Varys, look at his air quotes success with his focus and his, I don't want to say chastity, but like his focus on work rather than personal pleasure. He's being a lot less selfish. Whereas Robert is being incredibly selfish with wine which eventually leads to his demise, or with women, which has led to his lack of focus and his lack of control over his kingdom, which has led to his lack of being loved by the people, and which has led to his lack of sadness when he went away. No one was yeah. sad.
3: No, this is a great point, and I and I think that you know he just he doesn't he brings in somebody like Ned, but doesn't want to listen to what he has to say because Ned is going to be sort of that rational voice in, inside of his head. You know, that's going to tell him the right things to do. There's even that moment where Ned starts to think about Rhaegar Targaryen and, and what his rule would have been like, you know, as sort of this this juxtaposition to how Robert's ruling. And, you know, you often wonder, like, did, did Ned completely hate Rhaegar? You know, I, I don't know if that that's necessarily the case.
1: He's, he's starting to sing his praises, it seems, in these chapters. You're right. I mean, he brings it up in his own chapter and I think two chapters from now, too that Rhaegar Targaryen would have, you know, maybe would have made different choices. He asks if Rhaegar went to brothels the way Robert does. You know, and it's it's very interesting. You're right, the juxtaposition.
3: And I wonder that, that, that loyalty factor, too. You know, Lyanna gets brought up so many times. But with knowing full well Robert's behavior, would he have been loyal to her? And whereas I think Ned believes that Rhaegar would have and what. It
1: mm-hmm. is interesting. Then again, I wonder if it's not too late by the time Ned's brought on to really change Robert's mind about anything. That's Robert's fault. But I wonder if it wasn't, you know, if Ned shouldn't have stayed with Robert the entire time, Um, you know, perhaps, but Ned had other duties to do. So they
3: all take a vote, right? And, and it's really only Sir Barristan who brings up or who backs up Ned. And the whole, uh, there, there's this kind of bit of backstory that you get on how Robert, basically pardoned Sir Barristan and so how he was saying that Robert should be doing the same for Daenerys, not holding her responsible for what the rest of her family did prior to this
2: I really like Sir Barristan. I like that he was actually on Ned's side because you've got all these sort of really corrupted politicians sitting there just planning to kill this young girl and even though it's technically a tactical decision, it's a really douchey one. And you can really tell who in that room are honorable men.
0: Yeah, yeah it was a and nice way Ned to paint, paint his character more. I mean, just for the simple thing to align him with Ned, because we know that Ned is honorable. And so if he agrees with Ned, then we like him more.
3: Yeah, and and there's that moment, too, where they're going around, coming up with the different ways that they could possibly kill Daenerys and... Varus brings up the tears of lists, which kind of makes Grandmeister Pysel jump a little bit or he gets mm-hmm. like these this look in his eyes so obviously that's a that's a hint at something later on or maybe something that's already been mentioned so I just you know i I like it reading back over and seeing that all this information is kind of hidden here the whole time and you know things you don't pick up on the first time around or maybe you do if you're
1: I mean, you're right. Yeah, the tears of lips have been mentioned as uh, Ned has been told that that was what killed John. Aaron. John Aaron, Yeah. Yeah. Prior to this, where it gets mentioned, and you see Grand Master Pryce look up.
3: As I mentioned, they're going around trying to figure out how do we best get to Daenerys. What's the the easiest way to to get rid of her? And so um, Ned finally has enough of this. He says that if you're going to do this, you're not going to do this on my watch and takes off the pin. I like to think he said, you know, Robert, take this pin and shove it up your fat ass. But <laughs> I'm, I'm not entirely sure that's how the conversation went. You know, Ned's a much more respectful individual than that. Um, maybe he just gently placed it on the table. He gently placed it on the table. <laughs>
1: just, just sat it there on, on a coaster. <laughs> And she said, thank you for the opportunity and left. I I appreciate it. Exactly. Uh, Appreciate
0: it. I I polished it before I came. Just so you guys know. (laughs) Before we, I mean, I'm interested to know this um, because Selena, you had an interesting perspective on this decision that they're voting on. If you four Mm -hmm. or excuse me, if we four had to make the decision, what would we each individually think? I'm to slay interested,
1: I'm interested, Danny or
0: not, yeah, whether Patrick. or not to take Danny out, and because okay, really quickly, the threat that she imposes is this: a chance for a massive army, the Dothrakis, to wed with a crazy dynasty, which was her with the dragons and all that shit, make a baby which joins them forever, and they could, which they don't know that that's their plan, but they could cross the narrow sea and cause some shit. So my question is, what would you guys do? Like, what, th- they're talking about it. What would what decision would you make? What would you think?
2: Well, I would. I think I would come down on the side that the the force that this potential new Targaryen slash horse lord would have behind him would be his Calisar, right? But his Calisar is never going to cross water. Like that is a pipe dream. And, and I think everyone knows this except for Viserys, <laughs> you know, in the entire kingdom. I think that the Khalasar is never going to be a threat unless they cross the sea. And I think this boy, if it's even a boy growing up with the Khalasar, he's going to be the same. He's going to be a horse lord, but he won't be a threat. So I would come, I would, I would say that.
3: <laughs> yeah, I like that. I mean, I, I often wonder why the target wasn't Caldrogo. Drogo. Why Daenerys? I mean, Daenerys is only 13, 14 years old at this point. And if if Drogo is the husband, you know, we know for a fact that if if Drogo is slain, then his khalasar will no longer follow him. And so I I thought that that was a little bit of oversight on the part of, of Robert. That that would have
0: been my target if I was really concerned about anything happening. Yeah, but what's easier to kill, is a guy who's never been beaten, or a thirteen-year-old girl? That's true. But I mean, if you know Drogo dies of an infected boo boo anyway. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't heard that a long, a long time. So, I think since my little brothers were children, tiny ones, <laughs> <laughs> boo boo. That's good. Great. Well, there was there's that uh, that GIF right or JIF, the, the
3: big badass warrior dies of infected. Oh boo-boo. yeah, yeah. So uh, I mean, there's ways I'm sure of of being if they're able to get to John Aaron, if they're able to get to all these people that that they kill throughout the series, you'd think they'd be able to get to Cal Drogo in some way.
0: Distance murder is hard though, longer distance.
3: That's true,
1: unless you can operate.
0: Yeah, unless you can operate, then it's pretty easy. It's not very hard at all. Ascald Grindval. Anyway, what do you think, Eric?
1: I think that I would probably come down on. The side of the realm, but only if they knew about the dragons. Because again, you're talking about murdering this is, and they don't know about the dragons. This is completely innocent. Here, they're 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 talking about a girl who they're talking about her giving birth to just another Targaryen kid who's going to be raised as a horse lord anyway, like Selena said. You know what she actually gives birth to? The dragons are far more of a threat to the realm. So the fact that they're talking about um, you know just another child being born, I side with Ned. And I think they shouldn't kill her. I hate to come down on the side of the baddies
0: because it's – we know Daenerys. We know that she's cute. We know that she's cool. We know that she's interesting and strong. And it's – they don't know that. They don't know anything about this person. All they know is that the seed of the person that murdered people a lot, like killed kids, ripped out tongues of people – Uh, caused the crappy dynasty to even come to its end, uh, caused the rebellion. Um, We know that this kid is is alive and is joining forces with a massive army just across the sea. Um, There is the fact that these people, we'll call them the Rohirrim. No, we won't. But they never never want to cross the, the narrow sea. But I feel like... The the problem that Robert has come to in his mind is that they haven't before, but they also haven't married someone who's, you know, air quotes royalty from this other part of the world. So maybe something happens where they decide to take their army across in a boat. That sucks. So they were trying to kill a problem before it started, which was, hell, we wanted to kill this person and all of those people anyway because they were part of that dynasty. So we'll just kill them because we hate them. So, they want to take care of her, which I think is very shady and very like untrustworthy and very dishonorable because it's, it's a 13-year-old girl. But when I think about the cost of what it takes for their kingdom to even exist and how many people die domestically, f- far much worse and in far greater numbers to protect far less. Uh, this sacrifice for them is mild because they're going to just poison her. Like I said, versus all of the people that died domestically to protect and to, to do X and Y. I think about how many people have died in these last couple of chapters with C- Catelyn going to the Eyrie with Tyrion. Just just people. I mean, who cares who they were, how old they were, whether or not we liked them personally. Just lives that have died just so people can cross the plane. So the the, the cost of this one person versus the cost of what it could mean, dragons aside um i think that they felt was you just to eliminate this problem we don't even have to kill call drogo because he's not going to even have a reason to want to go then so if you kill call drogo what's stopping danny from just finding another calisar so i feel like that's why they made that decision and it was stupid but it could have solved a lot of their problems which i'm sure they're going to have later as the book moves on
3: yeah no and and i think another thing is that they don't really bring up Macerys at all. Like They don't consider him to mm. be any threat. It's all Daenerys. And I have to assume that's information that's coming back to Varys in some way.
0: From, what's his name? From Illyrio.
3: Right. Because normally, and this is not to, to to be you know sexist
0: in any way, but wouldn't they normally consider the male to be the bigger threat in some capacity? Yeah, but the problem with this situation is that we have two Targaryens left, but now we have more Targaryens that are getting born. And didn't they just exactly. try to take care of all of them? That's yeah, and true. this is
2: going to be a strong, a strong boy, presumably, with, with, uh, uh, what's the horse lord? What, what are they called? Dothraki. <laughs> um, Dothraki, Dothraki blood in him. You know, I think they know that Viserys is the beggar king. You know, he's not, he doesn't have, he's not a threat. I mean, that's why they haven't killed them before. They've talked about the fact that they were going to killed them a long time ago, but they just didn't see them as a threat. But now that they're multiplying,
1: <laughs> exactly that's the problem. Now I guess they're more of a threat now than they were 10 years ago when they were still children. But uh, Viserys um, specifically has grown up with this hatred, uh, which he would not have grown up with if they didn't give him a chance to grow up at all. Um, I think that the fact that they've had to beg their way into castles, um, you know, their whole life gives them this anger that's going to uh, definitely empower them should they ever try to get back home
0: yeah but I mean at least they've had castles look at the, some people that have been on the wall like it's just yeah. it's just a class system and Martin does a great job at creating this entire environment where all these different classes feel so entitled to their own places I mean it's very uh, it's very much of a uh, juxtaposition to the real world it's a mirror it's just a nice way to illustrate our own problems within a story which we know from seeing critical excesses, uh, critical success of things that's a very good recipe to make your project very popular and for people to really have an alignment with it i'm curious what a lot of you listeners think about this situation what you would do politically whether or not you would take care of daenerys or whether or not you would just allow it to keep occurring all stuff aside so let us know on twitter or emails or facebook posts or things like that maybe even direct messages if you're friends
3: yeah that that makes like a Bing yeah, sound. it makes
0: a bing sound. Is what it does. It goes bing. We're all Kong. about that here. We don't We're all about bings going on. You don't use Google. Google blocks for search results.
3: Well, uh, speaking of of people sending in uh, their feedback, they can also send in their owns of the week as it relates to these three chapters that we just talked about. I mentioned mine earlier in the Tyrion chapter uh, about Peter Baelish. Uh, what do you guys uh, have this week?
1: Mine is from this chapter we just talked about, um, where Eddard quits as Hand of the King. He says to Robert, I will not be part of Murder Robert. Do as you will, but do not ask me to fix my seal to it.
0: <laughs> Murder Robert sounds like a heavy metal band.
1: Do not be a part of Murder Robert. They're a shit band. Their drummer's not that good.
0: Murder Robert's <laughs> not that good. <laughs>
1: that sounds like a good band. If Pearl Jam calls you, yes, say yes. But right. uh, not Murder Robert. They're they're amateurs.
0: So uh, I'm going to go with mine, which is... Scarlet tinge spittle flew from the fat innkeeper's mouth as she begged of Catelyn Stark. Don't kill him here! Don't kill him anywhere, Tyrion urged. That's my own of the week. Uh,
1: that was a good Tyrion impression, too. Uh,
0: that was just, uh, you know, I think that Tyrion uh, has a good idea about what people should and should not do to him and don't killing him anywhere is up on that list.
1: I like how eager he is to talk about or how willing, how he can just talk about himself in the third person in order to continue the conversation that's being had about (laughs) him in front of him.
2: Um, it's from, it's from the, it's from the Tyrion chapter. Go figure. Um, it's a kind of a long thing, but I, I remember reading it and it really made me laugh. Um, Sir Roderick shouted, Winterfell, and wrote to meet them, with Bronn and Chiggin beside him screaming some wordless battle cry. Sir Willis Wode followed, swinging a spiked morning star around his head. Harenhal! Harrenhal, Hall, Hall, he sang. Tyrion felt a sudden urge to leap up, brandish his axe, and boom out, Castlely Rock! But the insanity passed quickly and he crouched down lower. <laughs> I thought that was nice. really funny. I loved
0: reading that. That's, a, that's such yeah. a good excerpt. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Well, if you guys want to join the ranks of the likes of us and uh, throw in some of your favorite owns of the week, uh, you can do that by shooting it to us on Twitter or an email forums all over we look all over the place um we got a significant upheaval of owns of the week during the tv series and even though there are a lot of you guys following along with us it's kind of hard for us to keep track of some of them because you guys are reading at different times than us so we've had some that have been sent from a few chapters back which you know who who really cares because that's it's okay time timing can be whatever you want gordon walsh shot us over some and uh he begins his email talking about micah and how he's obsessed with goats and I believe that that would be um, valid. That's accurate. Micah does like goats. They're his favorite animal. It's true. That'll um, come
1: in handy if you're ever climbing the Erie.
0: He basically
3: was just
1: sure. talking
0: about... I thought those were donkeys.
1: <laughs> well, those are mules, actually. But uh, the correction is given later in the chapter.
0: Got it. Yeah. <laughs> Gordon's owns were Tyrion's crab fighting with Alistair Thorn. Um, he really thought that the whole bit with Needle and Liana and Ned and Arya was a sad situation, but also an owner of the week. Mm-hmm. So, Gordon... Don't know how that's an own, but we'll take it. Uh, Danny shaming Viserys by taking his horse. Yes, that was a great moment. Out of all of his owns, he thought the Ned and Arya talk was the best. Not that it was the best own, but just that he just loved it so much. It was so endearing. Mm.
3: Well, well, should I respond to this question he has here? Um, if Shaga, son of Dolph, had a goat off with Aberforth, who would I pick to win?
0: Yeah, who <laughs> would you pick to win?
3: Well, here's the thing. I, I mean, I feel like Aberforth, it's more of a one-on-one relationship uh, with the goat. <laughs> Um, Shagga hey, just. Hey, how do you know that? I don't. I don't know. I don't know that he has uh, a relationship with these goats. I, I think he just he uses them in in his threats to people. Um, so, I, I mean, if you're putting them face to face with each other, I know Aberforth is a is a powerful wizard, uh, obviously, but Shagga is just a crazy motherfucker. So you don't know what he's <laughs> going to do. So I'd, I'd give the edge to Shaga. I
1: think I would, too. It's a bit like sending your girlfriend into battle, isn't it, with Aberforth, whereas Shaga <laughs>
2: has
3: been raising... No, 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 no. If you were to send <laughs> the goat me? into battle, that's that's a bit like
1: that. No, no, no. I'm saying for Aberforth, because you're saying... Oh, yeah, one yeah. I see what you're saying. As yeah, opposed yeah, yeah, yeah. to... <laughs> did anybody else have that problem understanding what I just said? No, <laughs> I yes. yes.
0: completely. The dog,
3: is, no, the dog agrees, <laughs> obviously. But, uh,
1: no, I'm saying because with Shaga, he's raising these goats to bite testicles. You know, to be he's raising an army of goats, which is an interesting choice, but God,
0: that's terrifying. Uh, <laughs> they eat everything, guys. Flesh-eating goats. Goats eat everything. They eat metal. Goats will swallow metal. You can't have a house goat. I won't allow it. It's a good thing I don't have metal balls. Yeah, it's a great thing that you don't have metal balls. It's just been great that this goat obsession has been a, a
3: long-running uh point of humor for not just one podcast now, but two. Um, hopefully, if we start up another one, there will somehow be a, a goat in the story that we can we can tie into things. But,
1: Micah, let's do a uh, three Billy Goats Gruff podcast. N- I'm uh, so down for that. You Want to do that? <laughs> well, I'm sorry, I was forever...
0: I'll, I'll I'll hang out though. I'll be a fan at least. <laughs> you can yeah, isn't yeah, there? Invited. Th-
3: well, I'll I just I'll forever remember J.K. Rowling trying to explain. To a couldn't have been older than 10 years old oh, God. what Aberfort's relationship with the goat actually was, um, and this was several years ago at this point. At, uh, I think it was Radio City Music Hall or Carnegie Hall, one of those two, but one of the two. she had a very difficult time. Um, I think she ended it just by saying that he cares very much for that
1: like, goat <laughs> uh, <laughs> right, so Aberforth wouldn't be able to uh, send his goat into battle Gordon no, the no. listeners have maybe to his
2: personally
0: for this conversation <laughs> yeah, I mean, they're, 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 we probably got turned off about five <laughs> Let's minutes ago let hope somebody's enjoying this conversation if you, uh, you want to join the ranks of Gordon and uh, be like him and cause things to happen with our mouths in conversation form, you can shoot an email to contact at GameOfOwns.com.
1: And you can always follow us on Twitter if you don't already. Uh, as we mentioned, that's where we do receive uh, some, if not all, of our owns. Though you can also email us. Uh, our Twitter handle is Owns. I sent out a tweet as before
0: the show started. I said, hey, we're recording. Someone say hello. And uh, KDW, Miss KW, excuse me, says, yo. So, just wanted to pass it oh. along to you guys. What up? Aw. Actually, Katie. Riku Stark says that she's having Game of Owns withdrawals. And I, we got that really nice tweet from Jose, guys. Do you remember? She said that she felt like she hung mm-hmm. out with all of us. It's so sweet but of her.
2: she has at LeakyCon.
1: Because um, we yeah. haven't seen her since Leaky. And That's so she true. tweeted us the other day that she was catching up on Game of Owns. And it felt like she was hanging
2: out with all of us again. <laughs> Khaleesi tweeted us a uh, funny thing saying, Darth Vader loves Game of Thrones, but Luke reminds him of Jamie.
3: Oh, it's an ooh. unknown
2: Star Wars fact, apparently.
3: Travis Anderson wrote in to say, I think I'm figuring out who Jon Snow's parents are. Hashtag Storm of Swords.
0: Oh, yeah. people. It's so funny because like, what a lot of people don't know is that you may think that the show is going on with pacing of, with, with the real world guys, but it's not. A lot of you guys just read all the books and know more than we do.
2: Oh my God, this is hilarious. Amber Danelle um, tweeted us, Geoffrey reminds me of Prince John from Disney's Robin Hood. It is so true. I cannot... Oh, wow, I they look exactly the I, same. I, <laughs> they don't. One is a lion. Well, you know, a lion, so there you go. Yeah, there you go, the a lion. Worse. But... I did not make this connection. This is a good point. I love this movie, by the way. It's one of my favorite Disney movies of all time.
0: Yeah,
2: that's perfect. (laughs) Um,
3: I got this tweet in from uh, Captain Creepyface, and he said uh, he wanted to know if we need another host because he's kind of... uh, looking for something to do since he got burned up last episode. Is it safe to say that Captain
0: Creepy Face has an identity crisis? A little bit. (laughs) Maybe multiple personality disorder. Multiple personality disorder, maybe even obsessive compulsive disorder. Who knows? He's a troubled person, and he was most likely a troubled youth when growing up.
2: So you can find me and all, all the podcasts that I do on hypeable.com which is h y p a b l e.com there's fandom news and all kinds of crazy stuff and our forums are so cool and I love that you're singing the Robin Hood theme right now it just makes everything more awesome um The the forums do check those out because they are amazing and they can be found at forum.hypable.com.
3: All right, and of course you can uh, rate and review us on iTunes as usual. Uh, Five stars is what we look for, and uh, if you don't, this week you will be tasked with trimming a handful of nose hairs from Brienne of Tarth (laughs) as she sleeps.
0: Oh God! If you don't, well. I can't speak for what Brienne will do to you. Some some would say that's almost as dangerous as waking a it, sleeping it, dragon. It, I think it's more dangerous. <laughs> we uh, we should also mention that Hypo has launched a new podcast about Merlin. And uh, Selena's got an insider look that she may be giving the show eventually. The, Mer- the New Maryland podcast, right, no. Selena? No.
2: <laughs>
0: no, Selena, you won't be accessing no, your inside that look story that you have access never, to. will
2: never, never make it to any kind of airing. I can <laughs> promise you that. But you wish it <laughs> well, would. <laughs> you know,
0: we're going we're gonna to consistently try to make that a possibility. But you guys should check out that show. What's it called, Selena?
2: Oh, they just named it uh, Talks of Camelot, I believe. They just recorded their first episode today.
0: So they're
1: still trying time to Talks
0: change of that name. <laughs> <It,
2: it, laughs> yeah, I told them
0: they may. I've told them. <laughs> by the time this episode airs it may be a totally different name. let see mm-hmm. if I can send some suggestions. No, I'm
1: not too thrilled with that one. That's it's, a good it's, idea. It's
0: just gonna be that name. Check them out, guys. They're friends of ours. We're gonna have Jess from that show on our show sometime soon. We've been planning on it, so we'll see how that works. Before we leave, I wanted to uh, I wanted to leave you guys, listeners, with uh, with a video that we posted on Goo last week, and I thought you might get a kick out of. So what you're hearing right now is the uh, slightly giggling drunken babble from Rose Leslie and Amelia Clark on the carpet at Comic-Con. Slightly, literally one of the most hilarious things I think I've ever seen. Also, one of the most adorable things I've ever seen. Is this when they were at SeaWorld?
3: Uh, Yeah,
0: they went to to SeaWorld
2: earlier
3: that day.
0: (laughs) My name is...
2: Eric Skull my name is Selina Wilkins
0: <laughs> I'm Zach
3: I'm Micah Tannenbaum Bing.